Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Another week uh, here in Texas. Hopefully you've had a uh, great Memorial Day weekend and we're heading into uh, this is the unofficial start of summer now, Jason. And so I have brought a very summery beverage Mm. uh, to get us started here. Um, You know, in keeping with the theme for this month, I did uh, citrus flavored, then strawberry, strawberry, strawberry. And now I am to a an Austin East Ciders spiked seltzer black cherry. Black cherry. You had pickle before also. So this this is. Uh... I did. I had pickle. And then after that pickle one, I think I just needed something sweet. So I've done a lot of strawberries and citrus and now black cherry. What, what are you, you doing, man? What's going on with you with, with all this fruit here? I've gone off the deep end. I'm telling you, it's getting ready for summer here. A little lighter, you know, a little hard cider with some black I'm cherry. I'm doing a. Uh, uh, have you had this before? Love Street Blonde. Yes, Carbock. I have. This, I think I have one of those in my fridge. Really? This this is yeah. uh this is from Carbach. It's um it's a Kolsch style beer, I'm told. There's I don't even know uh, what that it's is. It's a light beer. It's a, a light German beer. It's okay. it's uh, kind of like a lager. But this is from uh, Carbach, of course. It's from H Town from the 713 representing uh Houston or Houston as as you. some folks say. Hard you, man. You got to say it with a hard you. Hey, before before we get um, going, let me let me do just a tad bit of housekeeping here. Uh, oh, we're doing housekeeping. Yeah, this is our first housekeeping. I mean, we, we're on a Zoom call, so we don't have a house to keep. But um, mm-hmm. I, I've been giving a shout out every so often to some different folks who are emailing us. And a, uh, a shout out to uh, Jeff. Jeff S. I don't know if Jeff wants me to use his last name or not, but he, he emailed <laughs> and said he loved the last episode. He didn't say love, but he, I took that from his, from his note. We can say loved. We, we can, can say, say loved. loved. I mean, I, I, I took that from him. He said he got done listening to Yolitics on the legislative measures in regards to the big freeze and wants to thank everyone in, involved in it. Um, he says, having learned what I did on the episode, I contacted both of my legislators and expressed my thoughts to them. I'm pretty sure that if I had not listened, I would have just hoped that the lawmakers would have done the right thing. I don't know if my input will have had mm-hmm. any desired effect. But I got engaged and did something thanks to the Jasons and again to all the others uh, on the uh, Yolitic staff that you know made this happen. That's cool to hear. So I'm I'm going to raise a uh, raise a toast to Jeff here, man. Absolutely, cheers thanks, to man. you, Jeff. And and you know and and I first of all, it's a very nice message. And secondly, uh, that makes it all worthwhile, yeah. you know, because th- that's ultimately you know we're here to you know highlight some issues, sometimes some things that aren't being talked about as much or as in depth as people would like to hear. And to tell you like, hey, you know, you're part of the process too. You don't just have to be uh, passive in this. You can get involved, call a legislator. And yeah, maybe it won't make a difference. Maybe it won't change how they vote. But man, you start multiplying that by, you know, everyone who listens and, and eventually, they start making those hash marks there in the Capitol and going, wow, this many people called for and this many people called against. Uh, maybe I need to think about this a little bit. Yeah, closely. no doubt, man. And, and it's it, it's encouraging to, to hear that. And, and yeah. uh, we are talking in depth 
on this episode here. We're talking about housing here. And I think I've talked yes. in a few episodes about property taxes, et cetera, about my neighbor selling their house for twice what I paid for mine. It's just, it's unbelievable to me. And then now, Jason, I have a house in my neighborhood and the house needs to be completely gutted. Um, and, mm. and they're asking 450 for it. And I'm, I'm like, you might as well scrape the lot. I mean, come on, 450 yeah. for a house that you need to take down to the studs and who knows what's behind the sheetrock. It's the, the market you know is out These of control, days. man. No, these days you can ask for things like that and you can do it with a straight face uh, because somebody is going to come and get it and they will probably offer you more than 450 wow. to take that house off your hands. That's what's been happening. So, you know, as we are, you know, as I'm having my black cherry beer here, black cherry hard seltzer, we'll call it, uh, you know, kind of getting into the summer mood. Uh, here we go into the quote unquote hot season for housing uh, here in Texas, you know, everybody moves in the summertime. They want to get the kids relocated in time for school and all of that. Well, you know, we're actually several months late because the hot housing market started way back, like toward the end of last year. I mean, it's been getting nuttier and nuttier as we go. And there's no let up in sight right now. And this time we're talking about, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, there's not enough houses and not enough houses. And so you go, well, why don't they build more? Well, they're trying to do that. Uh, but the problem is, is it's a process. It takes a long time. Materials are in short supply in a lot of cases. And, you know, they're getting all the permits to do it, but it's just going to take time to get there. And it is a monster and, getting and it there. Our first guest, Ted Wilson from Residential Strategies, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll let you talk about him in a moment here. You, you know, Ted, but he revealed something, something to us here that I didn't know. And that's about, you know, you hear about the short supply, like you talked about materials, et cetera. Prices going up. But the one thing he talks about here, he's going to talk about in just a moment with us, is about the lots, the number of lots. You can't do anything if you don't have a lot. And lots are yeah. in short supply. The actual dirt is in short supply. Hard to believe when you have the second largest state like Texas here of, of landmass that we're in short supply of dirt. But Ted, Ted has a lot of stuff to talk to us about here in a moment. Yeah, when I was talking to Ted about that recently, I was like, what do you mean there's a short? I mean, we got tons yeah. of land here. And, you know, for the uneducated, like myself, you don't think about all of the things that go into creating an actual lot where you can throw down a foundation and put up a house. There's a lot that goes into that. And so it takes a long time to develop that lot. Well, then it takes a long time on top of that to build the house. And so now you see the dominoes kind of starting to fall. And that's why we are where we are with housing supplies. So we have Ted Wilson on the line with us here. He is the principal and owner at Residential Strategies in Dallas. Uh, basically, they're like a, a consultant firm. Uh, they're, they're watching everything that's going on in the building industry and in the real estate industry. Uh, and so they've got their finger on all of this stuff. And we figured who better to give us the pulse right now. Uh, Ted, we'll, we'll start with the easiest question, which also might be the <laughs> hardest. What is going on? Yeah, I know the housing market has certainly um, seen some exceptional demand here the past year. Um, I think, you know, who would have thought when we, you know, a year ago, when we were looking at all this job loss that was taking place in April, our expectation was that the real estate market was going to be on its knees. You know, little did we know that this massive decline that we saw in the mortgage rate was going to really propel the housing market forward at a time when so many other industries were crippled. Um, and so it, it has been an exceptional year. We saw 
Uh, generally, you know, the builders were able to kind of move their specs that they had last summer. And as we got into the late summer, it was the realization there was going to be a shortage of lots. Um, demand really um, uh, started to take off uh, during the fall. And as we have gone into the first part of the year, um, it's pushed our start rate to record levels um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. What, what does that mean when you say it pushes the start rate to so record our, levels? So we, we count um, housing starts in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. So, um, you know, a, a new construction. Ted, I, I, I'm, just, I'm not clear on, on the fuel for all this. Is it the low mortgage rates where people sitting around with cash over the past 12 months not being able to do anything? What? The global supply chain. I mean, what do you think is the fuel that's driving this? So, Jason, yeah, you know, what we've kind of seen is the alignment of several factors have come in play. Clearly, the drop in the mortgage rate to a record low um, was the biggest propellant. We had an affordability issue um, as prices really climbed from 2015 to 2019. And so with this drop in the rates, there are a lot of uh, renters that have now been able to enter into the for sale side of the housing market. So at the same time, we're finding that this is occurring at a point in history where this demographic, the millennials, uh, many of them are kind of in their early 30s, and there are a lot of them. So we're seeing that the increase, the net increase in the population for the leading edge of these millennials that are now settling down and starting families and so forth. It's about 260,000 people that are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area net increase during this five-year span. Now, on top of this, the other kind of incredible part of this story is that we had about 120,000 reloads to the Dallas-Fort Worth market. I think it's been widely reported. You know, we had all this growth here, uh, not so much in California, but uh, people see that Dallas-Fort Worth is a market um, that you can find a job coming out of the uh, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. There were some other things that have kind of changed the way house buying has has taken place. So um, the market psychology has changed. There's a lot more emphasis on the home. So there are a lot of renters who say, "Boy, I didn't like being cooped up in that small rental space during the pandemic, and so we want more elbow room." So there are a lot of people that kind of thought about it. And they're, they're wanting to, to have a much better home life. And on top of this, too, there were in the past, I think, some hesitancy sometimes about looking at these outer ring locations because the commute time could easily be an hour in the morning. And now with the, the whole virtual business platform that so many uh, companies have adopted, people can work from their house. So there is an embracing of this exurban lifestyle that we see in a lot of the smaller kind of secondary towns outside of Dallas-Fort Worth, have really seen some dramatic growth. Mm-hmm. The, the, the final kind of part to all this, and we'll get into it here in a minute, but is the existing home market has been stripped of inventory. And so if you're out looking for a house and you go to the, the existing home side, the resale side, you're going to find there's not much available. So that has pushed a lot of people over to the new home side. Yeah. And, you know, Ted, you're talking about, you know, some of these um, drivers here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in North Texas generally uh, being the influx of population and so forth. And and multiply that out around the state. I mean, we're seeing the same thing in in a lot of the other major metros in Texas, Austin uh, blowing up, the Houston area really blowing up. And all year long, we've been seeing the, the this sort of battle between the Houston area and the Dallas uh, Fort Worth area 
for who's you know going to take the lead in the country for the number of new construction permits uh, being issued. And I mean, they are blowing away every other part of the country right now. Uh, so this just doesn't show any sign of letting up. And I think so much of this, too, has sort of spawned, been spawned on the corporate relocation that was taking place even prior to the pandemic. You know, one of the kind of amazing stats that we saw pre-pandemic, you know, and for the Dallas-Fort Worth market is that in that 10-year span, we had a net increase of jobs of over a million workers in the Dallas-Fort Worth market. Well, there are a lot of people that had already come, and we're expecting that to continue. It's certainly showing up right now in the Houston and the Austin San Antonio markets as well as, as um, Dallas-Fort Worth. And if you talk to the Chambers of Commerce, um, they're seeing the the identified companies that are um, wanting or you know looking at coming to Dallas-Fort Worth. It's a much uh, richer um, group of com- or a, it's a bigger group of, of companies than they saw prior to the pandemic. Ted, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I see the news. My neighbor just sold their house and they sold it for twice what I bought mine for just five years ago. It's just, it's phenomenal what's happening here, but I just don't see how in the world this is sustainable. What is most likely to kill it? Is it going to be that interest rates will probably eventually go up? Is that the most likely thing to kill this momentum? Well, it may, it could also be, you know, costs going up too. So, I mean, they're all interrelated. We kind of look at it in the industry and say, well, the market could still probably function with a three and a half and maybe all the way up to a 4% mortgage rate. But once you start getting over that, you know, as much demand as there are, uh, is there out there because of people wanting to buy a house, it's it's going to be out of their range of affordability. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of where we're calling it right now is around four and a half percent. We had an interesting glimpse at what could happen back in the fall of 2018. If you recall during that period, the 30-year mortgage rate climbed from about four and a half to five percent. And we started getting calls from our builder clients saying, man, the the traffic's just stopped. People are not buying. And and there was some concern. And we saw builders who had speculative inventory out there drop their prices, uh, typically by as much as 300 basis points. And, um, you know, fortunately, they flushed it. And then about the time everybody was was really in a dither, uh, Jay Powell comes out, lowers rates again. And we see the 30-year mortgage rate start to decline, which is is kind of, you know, continued to do. So we escaped it. But we do know at that point, you know, that 5% was that tolerance level. Well, since then, housing costs are up about 20% and household income is only up about 10%. So, uh, you you know, you look at this and kind of say, well, what does that suggest? It suggests that that 4.5% level is probably the threshold where we really start to run into some challenges in this market. So a mortgage rate of four and a half percent. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of as people look, you know, for the future, you know, there are a couple of scenarios. If mortgage rates stay low, Dallas Fort Worth could be very much like California was back in the 80s and 90s, where, you know, we had a lot of job growth. Prices kept going up and people kept buying houses. Let's hope that's the case. You know, there's another case where we have a lot of inflation that really starts to crop up and it pushes rates much higher and the combined higher rate along with these higher housing costs would really, um, you know, be an impediment to the market. Ted, you mentioned people getting priced out. What does that mean to the rental market? Is there going to be a shortage there? Well, it's interesting. You know, what has been a boon for the builders has been kind of tough news for the uh, for the multifamily side. 
So, you know, just if you look at what's happened to the permits over the past year, multifamily permits in Dallas-Fort Worth have declined from about 26,000 down to about 16,000. Mm-hmm. So that differential has come over to the single family for sale side. Um, you know, and, and there, you know, I would say that the rental market, um, you know, there, there are going to be people who get priced out potentially of the for sale market and they'll stay in the rental side. And so the rental side is, it's not a, a bleak situation or by any stretch of the imagination, but they too are facing the same cost increases that the single family builders, you know, they use the same wood and the same, you know, um, construction materials that uh, single family builders have. So their costs are up considerably as well. Ted, you know, just looking out at the whole landscape right now, let's say you kind of were starting to get tired of your home. What would you do at this point? Would you, would you say, yeah, let's build, let's build one. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, it's a great time to sell. And I certainly have talked to people about it. And I think there's almost an auction mentality that, you know, that you can um, achieve out there where, um, you know, but, if you're, but where, where are you going to go, Ted? If you sell, where, where in the world are you going to go, man? You can, I can't afford to buy in this market. You know, now I understand. And, and it's, um, you know, it kind of depends uh, what, what, what you're trying to achieve. Uh, and that's, that is, uh, Jason, what you're saying is indeed the case, I think, right now. There are a lot of people who say, boy, I'd love to take advantage of this, but where am I going to move? But I, I was talking to some friends and um, uh, their, their, their mother had passed away and there was a house that they needed to sell and they were not in a hurry about it. And there was almost an auction mentality and they got well above asking price on that house. So yes, if you do have a house that you're trying to sell or if you're moving out of town or for whatever reason, yeah, you can, it's a great time to sell. But Ted, to, to Wheeler's point, what's your advice right now? Because you, you really have a front row seat to this. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of from the standpoint of our price is going to stay high, probably so. I mean, there's so much demand behind it. I don't see any breaking in prices. I think the challenge that I see, and I think what we're practicing is just be patient is that if you're out there trying to find a house, you're probably real frustrated because you know, you're gonna be up against a lot of competition on the resale side. And if you go in and talk to a builder, they're gonna say, I don't have anything to sell you right now. Now that will probably you know, ease down the road, but at the same time, we may have a higher rate environment than we have right now. So um, you gotta do what you can, but there's not a magic elixir that I can tell people that will resolve their situation. You just got to go out and, and hustle up a house the best. You- Ted, I think that a lot of people are looking at this from, from our vantage points, just as lay people, just shaking our heads in, in disbelief at, at what we're seeing in these markets right now. You've been doing this a long time. You, you're you taking sort of that 30,000 foot view of everything that's going on. Uh, what is your thought right now? Give us some perspective. You've been in this so long. What's What are your thoughts about right now? Sure. Now it's you know this is unprecedented. It's unlike anything I've seen um, in my career. You know, I think I use the analogy of you know it's like flying an airplane right now, and you're looking at the dials, and everything is an extreme right now. Hey, we're you know the airplane's still flying, but you kind of wonder how this is all going to you know um, you know uh, come come together you know down the road. You know, there's another side to it that the consumers don't really see, but it's the lot supply as well. So one of the challenges too with this huge surge in starts is that um, we have really seen the lot supply get stripped. So since the first quarter of 2019, the the housing starts in Dallas-Fort Worth have have increased by 50%, but the number of vacant lots on the ground has not changed. We're still at 69,000 vacant lots. 
So our month supply has declined from a normal 24 month supply down to under a 16 month supply. And we're probably gonna climb to about 55,000 starts. So it's gonna be an incredibly low period. Well, it takes a while to get lots delivered. It takes probably about 12 months at least to get entitlements in place. And then another 14 to 16 months for them to physically put in the streets and the utilities and get them to the point that the city accepts them and the builder can start his housing. So there's a scramble going on. Certainly can, development of lots has picked up. The entitlement process has surged. So there are a lot of builders and developers out getting lots through the cities, um, but it's just going to take time. So we're going to be, you know, it's going to be a very tight market um, as we go forward. And as you can imagine, it's created an inflationary situation uh, on that side of the equation as well. So the next round of lots uh, likely are going to be up anywhere from 15 to 25%, depending on which markets you're looking at. Um, I've spent quite a bit of my time here the last uh, few months talking to builders from outside of DFW that want to come into the market. And you quickly tell them, say, look, you know, if you want to come here, you're going to have to buy your way in and go find tracts of land and entitle them and get them developed uh, because the development community is going to take care of the locals first. And, um, you know, the reality is, is there's just not enough lots out there. So, the, you know, there is a barrier to entry to come into the Dallas-Fort Worth market. Sounds like a gold rush. The builders from elsewhere are wanting to come in. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Ted, uh, thank you so much for taking the time with us. I, I always feel smarter every time I talk to you uh, about these things. And uh, what an astounding time right now. We needed somebody who, you know, has a lot of perspective on this. Well, I appreciate you including me. And um, um, hopefully, uh, you know, we keep on going and there's no disaster ahead. But uh it is a time to pay attention to what's going on. Now we have on the line with us uh, a guy who's building a house here in Dallas. His name is Jeff. Trying to. Trying to build a house. He's trying yeah. to. And, and <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's on the line with us. Jeff Platt is his name. He has been working on this for more than a year, and he says he's still months away from this actually, you know, being finished. Jeff, Jeff, this doesn't really seem to be, you know, after talking to Ted here, like the right time to either buy or build a house. If you think it's all going this way, then maybe yes, now is the time. Hurry up before it's even more expensive. But um, yeah, it's logistically difficult right now. Where are you in the process? Yeah, we picked the worst time to start a pro progress. So we, we, we picked a builder, finished the design in May or June of last year. The demolition permit came through and they did the demolition in our early August. And then they finally approved the build permit first week of December, mm. which is supposed to be like prior to, prior to COVID, it was two to three weeks to get a build permit. And, and the way Builder's name is Jeff, too. The way Jeff described it is you just pick a day and you go into the office and you just keep getting in line until you get all the paperwork right. Well, there's no office to go into. So you would just throw the thing over the wall and then you'd hear nothing for weeks at a time. And there was a, two or three different things that we, we got answers back that didn't make any sense as to what the delays were. But you had to kind of 
push to even get anything. It was just total silence is what we mostly got. And what has price done in that time period, Jeff? Uh, because I know that we, there's these surcharges yeah, for lumber so and all sorts we, of things. We got hit with the lumber a little bit. I mean, it's higher than it was a year ago. You know, everything like electrical wire for electricians is three times what it was. So, so our cost for the electrical work that's happening right now is more. Things are bonkers right now as as far as the number of permits that are being signed off on. I'm sure that's uh, true it, as well. You look at, yeah, you look at Dallas, the Dallas area, the Houston area, you know, we've talked about this, that the, those two have been fighting it out all year long, uh, taking the lead in the country for the number of permits being issued for new residential construction. Yeah. I'm wondering, do you get a sense of that when you're one of those thousands and thousands and thousands of people trying to get a permit to build? Is it another one of those things that feels like pandemic hunger games it to is, you? I mean, do you is. get a sense so, of it? So so Mike and I have a friend that just moved from New Jersey to Austin and they're building a house the same as us, but they're, they're building in a, a, a development where there's a bunch of houses being built by the same builder. And he was told, he was advised by his realtor, don't ask too many questions about when anything's going to happen because mm -hmm. they are perfectly happy to give you all your money back and sell it to somebody, sell your property to somebody else for more than mm -hmm. what you bought it for. We had a couple of delays along the way. Um, the framer, we had to buy a new framer. We had to arrange for rather a new framer at the last minute. They were dropping wood off on a Monday, Friday night at seven, the framer said, we're not going to do it. And I'm sure it's because he got a better offer from somewhere. And it's totally mm -hmm. wild west when it comes to that. And they're just taking the highest offer. They had somebody who was mm -hmm. going to do a simpler, a simpler job for more money. Sorry. And so we had to go find another builder and, or another framer rather. Hey, Jeff, before we let you go, I always like to ask people who have navigated something like this. What's your piece of advice for somebody who's just setting out in this journey? What, what advice would you give somebody to try to keep them from going through what you've been through? Be, just be patient. That's one thing. And, uh, and then, but at the same time, be thorough. Keep your eye on what you're doing. Keep, you know, look, look at the budget, you know, you've got, you've got a detailed budget, hopefully from, from the builder. He's, he's got his eye on it too. You know, if you have a reputable, reputable builder, he's trying to hit his budget too. keep an eye on it and just be patient and be creative about how you respond to things. Because there will be things. Would extend some more cash. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Put, put when you're, when you're establishing your budget, put a bigger, bigger number, you know, for the, this, whatever they're going to call it. He called it a slush in our budget of just what ifs that there was a number in there. And we went and just, we doubled that number in his budget to start with. Say so we know we're going to, hit some things along the way. So, so, so wow. double your what if budget, uh, according to Jeff Platt here. Yeah. Jeff, thank you for, for taking the time with us. And uh, as Jason says, uh, good luck on getting in there by this fall. Appreciate Thanks. it. See you, man. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. Bye. Here, here's the biggest piece of advice, takeaway advice that I have from Jeff Platt there. Double mm -hmm. your what if budget. I, yeah. Again, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, I, I man, I hope Jeff gets it done in time.
but I can imagine dealing with this yeah. for, for 18, 19 months like he will have done when this is all said and done for him. So, yeah, that, I, I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. The whole thing about having patience, whether you're looking for a new home or an existing home right now, it is tough out there. You do have to go in with patience. And I do love that double your what if budget. I think I'm going to take that to heart, even though I'm not looking for a house, because I, I've just yeah. found that generally during the pandemic. Double your what if budget. You just never know what's going to happen. But especially if you're building yeah, a house. You should also take the whole patience thing, too, because I, I don't think our, our, our viewers know? or listeners realize that Jason's patience is even shorter than mine. And mine, mine is pretty short. Um, but. I have been thinking about that a lot. <laughs> have you and really? Trying to, trying to work on it. I'm, I'm trying to work man? on it. We're all trying what, to get what, better. What are you doing you know? to, to work on it? Uh, uh, first of all, I'm not sending uh, texts or emails in the moment anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you really, right. when you're really on fire, just sit, sit a while, <laughs> sit a while and let it, you know, just kind of take the edge off a little bit. Uh, so, you know, now we're veering way away from topic here. Uh, but it's helpful. And then the other thing is um, I am trying to just breathe a little bit more. I don't have one of these. Uh, you probably have one of these fancy watches, don't you, oh, yeah. that tells you how many steps you're yeah. taking you, and all that stuff. I don't, don't have, have that. that. So that thing tells you if you're not breathing, too, yeah, doesn't it? It tells my heart rate when my heart rate goes over like uh, 210. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I get yeah. that sometimes as well, too. Like uh, I, don't, I don't have all that, but I feel <laughs> it. And so I'm trying to become a little bit better about, you know, I'm just going to take it easy a little bit. I'm going to take it, take it a little bit easier. So that's my advice yeah. to everybody, you know, especially if you're in the housing market right now, because I know it's tough. I mean, we've been talking with a lot of people and I just I don't know how I don't know how you tough it out in this market right now. It is just nuts. Wild West, as uh, they it, say. Indeed so. And, and wise words from Jeff there about having patience and, and you know, again, doubling your what if budget. I think that can be applicable to to uh, anything, your your savings account mm-hmm. or, or whatever, because who knows what this crazy market is going to do next uh, as we come out of the pandemic here. But, um, you know, houses usually don't take that long. So I, I don't want to be judgmental, not going through this process of what's happening at City Hall. But I would hope that the bureaucracy can really start picking things mm-hmm. up and start stamping some of these um, building permits. Yeah. So. So the process that's, can that's move. just adding to yeah. everybody's that's adding to the frustration. That's making your watch go off and tell you, uh, Jason, your heart rate is really out of control <laughs> now because it just it's frustrating. But, you know, I'll say, you know, as, as frustrating as the bureaucracy is, you know, I guess just to defend them a little bit because nobody else is going to probably. They've been dealing with unprecedented situations here, too, and they're being inundated. Everybody wants to build right now. It is it, it, it's so overwhelming that they can't keep up with the workload in some cases. And they're bringing in private firms in some cases to help them with permits. So we've actually seen that here in Texas. So it's a big thing. And even on top of that, even once you get the permit, builders are telling me that they're adding 60 to 90 days to the total construction mm. job. So you're looking at two to three months being added on from the very beginning because the builders can't keep up and they're having the supply issues and all that. So it's a it's a it's a process. Just just hang in there. If you're in it, hang in there and uh, hopefully you make it through. And hopefully something you heard in this podcast maybe helped you to understand it a little bit better or give you some advice for for how to proceed forward here and, and take it a little and bit easier. Wheeler, you're you're a big investor. You're you're you give me stock advice all the time. I don't know where you ah, get you this give me stuff. stock advice all the time. I, I appreciate that. Um, 
Is it helping it, it you is. out? If I had any money to invest, it would help me out a lot. But um, <laughs> um, but I, I, I asked Ted about it, and I, I'm just curious from you as well, too, since you you know report on so much of this financial stuff. I know some of our listeners are probably investors, like you are. There's There's yeah. got to be a play somewhere in this for an investor. Um, but the stakes are yes. much higher, obviously, uh, just to, to get into it. Yeah, um, uh, there are. Uh, but I mean, you know, look at the companies that are doing this stuff, too. I mean, even an, a, an amateur investor can look at the companies who are out there doing the work, you know, the, the big home builders and so forth, the, the people who are giving them the supplies to build those homes. All of those, a lot of those are public companies. And so, yeah, they're going to be busy for a while, we mm-hmm. can expect. Although I'm not giving anybody any stock advice here, just a disclaimer there. Don't you have to be registered? Uh, it helps don't if don't you, you have to be registered to give stock advice? Yeah, you're going to get me arrested or something or, or sued. Uh, so I'm not giving anybody any advice here as I you know look down at my investments <laughs> right now because I'm watching one, one of these meme stocks that I got uh, roped yeah, into. You- um, but, but no, I, I, I think that, you know, it helps to have gotten in on this actually, you know, nine, 10, 11 months ago on some of these things on the ground floor and just ride it up. But there's probably still plenty of money to be made because as Ted said, record profits are being reaped right now. So, you know, it's probably not too late to still get in on some of these, yeah. you know, so throw a dart, see if you can hit that target. And, and, and Ted said there is no end in sight, which is phenomenal to me. You pointed out rightly so that the only thing that will likely kill this is if the interest rates go up over what, four and a half percent, you know, that the that's really interesting that he put yeah. the number on it. I like that. I love specifics like that. But yeah, he says four and a half percent. And we're going to if, if you know, the 30 year mortgage gets to four and a half percent, you're just going to see this dry wow. up. And we're you know? at what, two and three quarters, three uh, percent, something like that. In three, about three right um, now. So, um, wow. Yeah. And, and who knows what it'll do going forward? You know, a lot of people got those refinances in uh, several months ago and and they you know, some people didn't. And they're like, gosh, is that going to come mm-hmm. back again? We'll see. But, you know, inflation is a concern. right All right, now. guys, uh, we, we have kind of worn this episode out as you know, talking and talking and talking, but uh, we always appreciate you guys listening. And uh, I, if you guys have any investment plays in all this or any stories like Jeff's, I, we're fascinated to hear about it. You can, uh, you know, you can tweet us if that's the best way to get in touch with us. Uh, you can find Jason Wheeler at Jason Wheeler TV or me at Jason Whiteley. Um, but, but send us some stories. We, we like hearing from you guys. We like uh, seeing what you like about the podcast. Uh, we haven't heard about what you don't like besides Wheeler's beer taste. Um, but, that, but that's about it. It's not, not bad. Not, not, not bad at uh, all. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you think. And, and absolutely send us those stock tips. If you have them, if you, you know, know of a meme stock that I don't know about, uh, you're in one of these chat rooms and, and you know how to make me rich. Please tell me, let, you know, cut me off a piece of that too. Just break me off a little piece. Give me a little bit of advice. Uh, thanks as always for listening, everybody. We're gonna have to do a piece one of these days on on just getting people stock tips. That's how we're gonna get rich, Jason. That's how we're gonna make yeah, our millions. The, the Bitcoin. Until then, <laughs> uh, until then, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>